Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whitey, on Newstalk 1590 KVTA. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. I think you've got something there, and I'll wait outside until you clean it up. Good morning, Ventura! <laughs> hey, welcome to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. We're here every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on News Talk 1590 KVTA. Um, we are leading up into our second very, very informative, well-received event that is going to be happening on October 10th at the River Ridge Golf Club in Oxnard. It is from 10 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, half-day event on A Thief in the Night, why the next great, I mean great, because we've only gotten started, great crash in stocks is inevitable by 2020, but I think it's going to be here sooner. Now, today's show, I'm going to go a little bit into why the Fed is so scared. Some scenarios you may not have heard about why the Fed is so scared to raise interest rates. It's more than you think. And we're going to do the complete interview I did. It is about a 20-minute interview with Harry S. Dent, New York Times bestselling author, leading economist, uh, just brilliant in terms of his uh, dovetailing of the field of demographics with economic prognostication, meaning what's happening. And um, I'm going to shake you up a little bit. This is going to be a little bit of a concerning show about where we really are going further in these markets. Now, Harry and I, our conversation uh, extensively dealt with China, but we also had a big uh, part of this we're going to talk about, which is the U.S. real estate market. We believe that the U.S. real estate market, the home market, is in for a great softening probably somewhere in the next year or so. And I can tell you I'm personally personally making preparations to go ahead and make the transition to early retirement downsizing. My kids are out of the house. My daughter's getting married this month. And um, we're downsizing earlier than we would have ever thought we wanted to do it. But I want to save $150,000, $200,000 of home value. So we're doing it now because we're looking at the writing on the wall. You're going to hear Harry Dent and I talk uh, about this in quite a bit of detail on today's show. So we're going to talk about um, Janet Yellen. I'm going to read you some articles from the news, Wall Street Journal, about uh, an analysis of what her overall concerns are, what she's probably confronting behind the scenes that you don't know about. And then we're going to interview with Harry Dent uh, for most of the show today. And we're going to talk about China, its effect on the United States, uh, and, and how that is going to continue to roil and crash our markets ultimately until so much of this washes out. And we're also going to talk about the U.S. real estate market. Now, that leads up to two very, very important events. Now, why do we hold these events? We hold them because when we're doing the news and we're doing our commentary on the radio, it, you know, all I can really do is kind of poke you in the arm and wake you up to these issues. But we can't really, in detail, go into the solution sets of them, which we do go into quite a bit of detail in our events. We talk about 
we really help you understand the basics. We have help you understand, you know, how demographics are pushing the world into a contraction, a global contraction, what the governments will do to try to offset that, that will cause bigger bubbles. And then we really try to then get you to understand what does this mean in terms of inflation or deflation? Inflation and deflation is the most crucial issue you must understand if you're trying to navigate the next decade and stay safe in these waters and grow your wealth. If you call the issue of inflation or deflation wrong, you've got a lot to lose. You can make some severe mistakes. So once you understand that in what we call our 101 class, which is a thief of the night, why the next stock market crash is inevitable by 2020, which is going to be at the River Ridge Golf Club again on Saturday, the 10th of October. we got about two more weeks here. And write this number down because I'm going to give you a discount on the tickets. If you have not been to one of these before, we feed you lunch. Uh, feed you lunch because there's a lot to get through. But the education is ginormous not only in the background of the economics and to understand what's coming at you, but to understand how to be safe. We talk, one of the things we do in these seminars, and again, write this number down because I'm going to give you a discount. Let me give you the phone number here. It is 888-882-5578. 888 882-5578. Now, being that this is a half-day event, and I'll tell you more about it as the show progresses, but being that's a half-day event, it's $25 to attend this. However, I am going to knock $10 off that price if you call during the show. So the operators are standing by. Anybody who calls in, we will arrange a $10 discount. We still have to get your credit card and run the $15 ticket this week in order to qualify. There's a website. You can learn more about the event at the thefinancialearninglounge.com. That's thefinancialearninglounge.com. Look at the Thief in the Night event. You can download a brochure. You can watch a video. Um, but if you go through the website, uh, then it's $25. If you call during this show, by the top of the hour, we'll knock 10 bucks off. That makes it a $15 event, which is worth so much more. And this is a pilot program, and there's every chance in the world that somewhere here early in 2016, it'll become a $100 event. It is fully worth it, and people will pay that. But we're just kind of tweaking how to do these right and how to provide the best possible service. So right now, we're keeping the ticket price low. The number for that is AAA. 888 Again, at that event, you're going to learn about demographics that are the inalterable organic driving force that actually put all of today's events into play, starting back in 1946 in terms of its earliest indicators. Uh, we're going to talk about mistaken policies, what banks and governments uh, world banks and governments can be counted on to do that'll make things worse. We we talk about why we see bubble after bubble, which is an unmistakable precursor to an economic winter where the entire global economy shuts down for a while and kind of dies out until you get a reset and you can have new growth in the spring. And we do talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, why the U.S. is actually very well poised to recover if the government will get out of the way. Now, we also then go into not just these factors and why you need to be aware of these factors, but what, where can you put your money to keep it safe 
and grow it. And it's not just a single thing. We're going over numerous different strategies. I've really learned that this year, that the breadth of the audience we have on that show, this show is not a one-trick pony audience. And we're not a one-trick pony at Straight Talk Wealth Advisors. We have a number of solutions that fit all different kinds of investors. So when you come to these events, it's not a sales pitch. We don't try to close you on something, but uh, you will learn about a variety of things. And then it's kind of up to you to figure out what you think is, is most suitable for you. But that's what we cover. Now, after that, then you are invited and welcome to start coming to our advanced briefings. Now, today we're going to talk about China and we're going to talk about the real estate market. But I have access to all of Harry Dent's uh, research in his slides. So when he goes to uh, the Irrational Economics Summit in Vancouver and presents to 300 high-end investors, whatever, I think it's about a 50-slide show on China and a 50-slide show on the um, real estate market in the U.S., I get those within minutes. And that's what we're going to do on the advanced event. So if you have attended a prior Thief in the Night event, call the number 888-882-5578 and come to on October 20th at the National University in Oxnard on an evening class. We're going to have an advanced briefing on China and the real estate market in the U.S. and why we feel so strongly the real estate market is going to soften. You'll see all the stats and the graphs. But we don't necessarily do that at the uh, 101 event because you need to understand the basics to grasp these graphs. And you also, uh, it winds up being a six, seven hour event and we get into all of that. So you come to the first one. If you haven't been to one, I'm going to play you later uh, a few testimonials, how much people enjoyed it. It was not a salesy event. Very educational, very different. This is not, I can guarantee you, it's not like anything you've ever attended before in terms of the research that goes into this show and that backs what we talk about. I lay it all open for you. Something we just can't do in a one hour show. And what we want is we want you to be able to prepare for what's coming. We want you to be able to protect your your wealth, and we want you to be able to prosper in what's going to be a decade of a whole lot more change to come. And we not only go into what is coming and why it's coming, we talk about how to keep your money safe and how to grow it and protect your wealth. All of that uh, is going to be at the event for A Thief in the Night on October 10th is the 101 class, $25. We'll take 10 bucks off of that. That's 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. The advanced class is also $25. If you've attended the 101 class, call now for October 20th. The advanced briefing on China and uh, the U.S. real estate market it is also $25. We'll knock $10 off of that if you also call the number today. So that's good for $10 discount on either event when you call that number today. Let's get into the story. You know, you often hear uh, Harry Dent and I discuss the fact that, uh, you know, any single factor that we look at risk in the current economy is not a major factor of its own. But it, ha it ha so happens that when debt is so stretched and the whole world is addicted to running on credit and debt, then you wind up with a situation where it's so over leveraged, a final straw that breaks the camel's back or final pinprick can be enough to let the air out of the whole system. And if you go back to the real estate crash we had and the credit crunch we had in 2008, the bottom line of that, that there was four states in the United States 
California, Arizona, Nevada, and Mex- and uh, Florida, where we had the subprime crisis. That was really where it was focused. Those four states in a world that had gone mad with debt and credit were enough to suck the entire system down. So this is a serious matter. And this is what Janet Yellen is juggling right now. So I'm going to read you an article here. This is from... Uh, This is from CNBC, and uh, it says the Fed has to deal with its own zombie apocalypse. And this is by Jeff Cox, and it was on 18 September 2015, fairly recent. And he writes, the Federal Reserve is scared of a lot of things, some obvious, some not so much. Thursday's Fed decision to delay yet again the long-awaited liftoff from zero rates gave rise to still more speculation about why the U.S. central bank seems so perpetually reticent to normalize monetary policy. And uh, speaking on my own here, you know, uh, just today as I'm, I'm putting this show together, there's rumblings. Janet saying, no, by the end of the year, we're probably going to raise it. She didn't come out and say we're going to raise it. She said, by the end of the year, we're going to, we're going to try to stay on course. But you know, why Why not 25 basis points when they last had the opportunity or the opportunity before that or the opportunity for, for that? Really, is a quarter point difference really so catastrophic that they just can't move ahead with it and get it going? So going back to the article, there are all the usual suspects, such as low inflation, weak wage gains, despite strong job, job growth in China, plus the rest of the emerging global mar- economy. One reason that hasn't got much attention is the need for the Fed to keep rates low for both for government debt and the corporations that now have $12.5 trillion in debt. Among the prime beneficiaries of zero interest rates have been low-rated companies that have been able to borrow money at rates often in the 5 to 6% range. A move to higher rates, even a small one, could have outsized impacts on those bad balance sheet companies. That puts the Fed in a bit of a Faustian bargain with issuers and holders that has become hard to break. Faustian bargain is kind of a bargain with the devil. Not only has high yield issuance exploded in the days of the central bank's ultra easy accommodation, that means easy money printing, But the bottom of the ladder has gotten more crowded as well. About a quarter of all debt issued now in the junk universe is held by companies rated B3 or lower, according to Moody's. Credit standards have continued to loosen as well, with the ratings agency reporting that its Covenant Quality Index, it's essentially a read on how strict the conditions are on corporate borrowers, is at record lows. In other words, they're being very unstrict with corporate borrowers. Though total issuance has declined to its lowest level in three years, it's been a year for big deals in the junk market, with the average high-yield deal globally at a record $587 million. That's the average sort of junk deal going on in the junk market, according to Deal Logic. Investors are taking notice of the problems in the junk market, and the wobbly issues and the ish added issues from wobbly monetary policy. 
Michael Contopolis, a high-yield strategist at Bank of America Merrill Lynch, said the high-yield space is a mess no matter what the Fed does. Global economic weakness and deteriorating fundamentals are making it increasingly harder for the Fed to underwrite junk debt through a zero funds rate. Quote, we've been saying for months that the global economy is weak and the Fed's dovish disposition only bolsters our view, unquote. Contopolis said in a note to clients, domestically, it becomes harder to argue that a strong dollar and lack of inflation can be viewed as transitory or passing. And this headwind is continuing to hurt high yield corporates. Earnings for junk companies have been incredibly weak, he added, pointing out that leverage is at all-time highs while defaults and downgrades are creeping into the market. So what, what this, so the takeaway from this is that when debt stretches out, you know, one little break, one little thing, it doesn't seem like much of a deal. But when the whole world is stretched and the whole world is leveraging and trying to make money on these zero interest rates and you change that one little iota, it's like a balloon that's been so blown up that if you sneeze at it, if you touch it against something, it bursts. And and that's where a good place to go into my interview with Harry Dent, because this is where China comes into it. China is a big blow up of that bubble, a big blow up of the balloon and the weakening of China, although it seems far away and on foreign shores in a world that is stretched very, very thin, is of great concern to anybody looking at the economy and anybody looking at trying to grow and and, and, and the risk assets and what's going to happen. So with no further ado, I want to open that up, uh, go into the first uh, segment of this, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the event we're going to do to help you learn how to protect prepare and prosper in this coming decade of more change to come. I want to talk to you about two things today, Harry. I want to talk to you about China and its disruption on markets here and what's happening over there. And then I want to talk about the uh, real estate market because at the uh, Irrational Economics Summit, you gave some very revealing statistics about where our real estate market's going. I'll come back to that. Let's talk about China first. China has now two bubbles. China had one, the real estate bubble, and we were watching it on CBS, and we were seeing the ghost cities go up, and uh, now they've decided to open up a second free market bubble in stocks. And after that, there's a whole issue of China's problem with just internal consumption. But let's start with these bubbles. What's fueling these bubbles in China in real estate and stocks? Well, it's very simple. It's not as much quantitative easing as it's been in recent years here. China has just been for 30 years, and especially uh, in the last decade or so, they've just been overbuilding everything. It's like the central government there encourages the local governments to borrow money, which it implicitly guarantees, and then these local governments launch all these infrastructure and housing product projects and stuff, which they make a ton of money on, and then their crony developers uh, make a ton of money on, and they're building stuff for nobody. They're doing it across the country, 27% of condos were measured in cities to be vacant, and this was done independently by a firm that simply looked at at condos or houses that were hooked up to electricity, and there was zero use, which means empty. 27% empty. First of all, how can you even have a housing bubble? When, when there's that sort of vacancy. And the reason is the Chinese, especially the affluent, that dominate about 85% of the wealth and financial assets and real estate over there, they save 60 70% of their income, way, 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 way more than us, and then they put 75% of it in real estate. They don't buy stocks and bonds like we do. So the real estate bubble came first. 
Shanghai is up, you know, 650% since early 2000. Our real estate bubble was 130%. 635% since yeah, 2000? Yeah, I mean, it's just the greatest bubble in history. But China is it, is it possible, buy. Harry, is it possible, though, that, that, that there might be some reason to that if it used to be all shacks in 2000 and now it's nice homes? I mean, could well, that be China's, reasonable? China's been urbanizing it. They've moved a half a billion people since the early 80s to urban areas. So this is not a boom that just started in 2000 or in 2007. It's been going since the early 80s. So, so yes, it started from lower prices, and you would expect a bigger boom, just like in Mumbai. But for a real estate market to go up that much compared to incomes, uh, and, and, and if you compare it to income, yeah, compare. the price-to-income ratios are the highest in the leading Chinese cities, higher than any other emerging markets, whether it be Bangkok or Mumbai, and, and way higher than developed countries. So the, this is a bubble. It's massive. And recently, we have this stock bubble. But you have to remember, back in, from 2005 to 2007, the latest stage bubble around the world was China. The Chinese stock market went up 484% in just two years, the strongest stock bubble I've ever seen, and then collapsed 72% in just one year. And that follows my rule that bubbles tend to collapse back to where they started, and they tend to collapse twice as fast as they build. So China went nowhere for years, because when you overbuild, you have excessive debt and excessive capacity, and that's unprofitable, as any normal business knows. But Chinese don't have normal business. They can build forever. A lot of the companies are state-owned enterprises, no accountability. What they got... From uh, early 2014 and early to, and to mid 2015, about one year, mm-hmm. they got a sudden bubble that came just from everyday speculators. Real estate started to slow for the first time after this great bubble, and people said, "Oh my gosh, we can't make money in real estate anymore. Let's speculate in stocks." So they did the opposite of what we did in 2000. The tech stocks had been uh, bubbling here. Everybody was flipping tech stocks, and when tech stocks started to crash, everybody started flipping condos and houses. So they just did the opposite. They, they went from real estate to stocks. So this stock bubble there had nothing to do with their economy. The economy's only been shrinking. Um, and it went up 159% in one year, and it's already, in, in three or four months, crashed 42%. And I think it's going lower uh, in the next month or two, and I think it'll be down 80% before it's all over. Their GDP growth is shrinking, but their stock market has increased 159% yeah, in a yeah. year. How do you like those, Apple? You know, <laughs> that's insanity. And, and the worst thing about it, Bruce, was the survey showed that massive uh, new accounts open, massive margin debt. But here's the real uh, insight. 60, I think 66% of those new accounts were people with a high school or less education. So this is not institutional money. This is not the wealthy, the affluent. They're still buying real estate. It is real dumb money. And, and that's why the Chinese can keep propping up their market. But these people have been trapped in this bubble. And at some point, they're going to continue to get scared. And again, imagine the market was down 42% recently. And it's not far from there now. Imagine if the Chinese had not had a half a billion dollar fund, I mean, half a trillion dollar fund to buy their own stock market to prop it up. I mean, it could have been down 50 or 60% already. But I actually want to go back to this point you're talking about, which is who's investing over there and, and what they're doing with margin debt. So we know that 65% of the uh, new accounts opening in China are just people with less than a high school education. Yeah. So is that also being combined with margin debt? Can these people borrow money to buy stocks like we did in 1929? Yeah, 40% of the bank loans in the last year of the Roaring Twenties were, were to finance stock purchases. So, you know, I mean, I can, anybody can open an account in the United States and get margin debt. I'm assuming, I, I think what the government did was lessen the requirements that they saw the real estate bubble starting to tail off. So, and they didn't want to recreate that. They just want to hopefully have it come down slowly. So they said, well, let, let's people bubble up a little in stocks. So, 
so we don't have to kill uh, the real estate and fight the real estate bubble. You know, they're just trying to offset it. So it's, it's stupid. I mean, China is trying to plug. The government's trying to plug the holes in the dike. They have blown up a bubble that is so much bigger than ours or any other country in history that I've seen that, that there's no way to contain this thing. And, and they're just going to keep fighting it until something goes wrong. And, and it's already going wrong. The stock market wouldn't be, be down 42 percent if they weren't losing control. But the big insight is this. The Chinese don't have as much money in stocks as we do. It's not the stock market that's going to kill yeah. their household. It's when that real estate market goes down more. They have 89% home ownership there. Everybody owns something, no matter how small, but the wealthy are so invested in real estate that it's going to absolutely eradicate a wealth implosion like, like never seen, more than the Japanese in the early 90s, more than we saw in 2008, way more. So that's the big event. I'm, I'm watching for the stock bubble to keep bursting, the economy goes down farther, and then China, then the real estate finally loses control. When the real estate starts to go down rapidly instead of slowly, China is over. It's going to cause a tsunami around the world. We've been saying for years, the U.S. was the epicenter of the last global financial crisis. It was global. It was debt. Mm -hmm. It was falling demographics, all the things we've said for years. But we were the trigger with our subprime crisis. China's real estate and bubble collapse is going to be the trigger for next, this next global crisis. And I want to see what Mario Draghi and Janet Yellen can do to stop that. They don't have a chance. They can't even stop oil prices sliding. Well, listen, we're going to get back with Harry about the U.S. real estate market in a minute. But let me give you some interesting statistics here. And this is a sample of what we're going to go over in the advance briefing. We will touch on it on the October 10th uh, class on A Thief in the Night, Why the Next Great Crash in Stocks is Inevitable by 2020. But here's, listen to the savings rate of rich Chinese. Uh, wealthy Chinese... Uh, the average saving rate of the top 5% is 69%. We do not save anywhere near that. The top 10% save 66.5%. Huge savings rate. Now, here's the next statistics. And I'm just pulling off the graphs that we're going to go over in the advanced briefing on October 20th on China and on the U.S. real estate market. So now... Uh, if you look at where do they put all those savings, they save more than half their money. 74.7% of Chinese savings is real estate share. It's real estate. So 74.7% of the household wealth in China is held in real estate. That compares to 279 in the U.S. So they're heavily into their real estate. Now, here's another stat, which you'll see when you come to the event on October 20th, which is the advance briefing. There's an oversupply of housing. Housing starts have been for the year, and this is actually back in 2011. The data is a little old. They've slowed down a little bit, but this is an example of the bubble they've built. They had 19 million housing starts in 2011, but their incremental annual demand was only 5.8 million. So that leaves about 13 million units built that there's no demand for. So there's a real estate bubble. There's how much money they put into their real estate. And what is the result? Here's another graph you'll see on October 20th amongst many. There's an exodus. Nearly half of the wealthy Chinese on the mainland want out of China. Why? They've made a lot of money there. It's working pretty well, isn't it? But they see what's on the horizon and they are trying to get out. 47% of wealthy Chinese plan to move abroad within five years. 47% of the wealthy Chinese 
want to move abroad in the next five years. Now, uh, here's another interesting statistic. Of the super rich in Chinese, and we're talking people that have 16 million or above, one third of them have already emigrated and gotten out of China. Those that are millionaires, but less than 16 million, 64% have already emigrated or are planning to. You're going to see all these charts on October 20th and many more so you can get the real statistics. This is why I say we can't go over all of this on the radio. It doesn't fit on radio waves. It fits in a classroom with you getting a nice dinner and then going over this. So, uh, by the way, where they're fleeing to, 52% are trying to get to the U.S., Canada's next with 21%. You'll see all those charts and graphs. I just want to give you that because the fact is uh, the first thing you need to do is come to our event on October 10th, which is a thief in the night, why the next great crash in stocks is inevitable. And we will touch on China because it's a key thing. But in that event, we're really going to focus on the basics, demographics, the inalterable organic driving force that put all of today's events into play decades ago when the babies were born that are influencing the economies today. We're going to talk about mistaken policies, what these world banks and governments can be counted on to do that's going to make things worse before they get better. We're going to talk about why we see bubble after bubble. That is an unmistakable precursor to an economic winter where the global economy simply cracks, breaks, and shuts down until everything crashes and you get the great reset. The good news is you get a great reset. The other good news is you can stay safe in that period. The bad news is most people won't stay safe and they will lose a tremendous amount of their money and they will lose a tremendous opportunity to have retired in comfort that will pass them by. So you're going to learn about that. You're going to learn about the light at the end of the tunnel and why the U.S. is so well poised to recover if the government will get out of the way. Now, we're going to show you a number of alternatives and ways to keep your money safe and keep it growing. This is not an annuity sales pitch. We're not. We're going to touch on annuities because they're an important subject, but there's several other things we're going to talk about as well. And you're actually going to hear John Grace, who is a securities broker with President of Investors Advantage, a friend of mine. But we strongly disagree about where to keep your money. So you can hear a little debate at the end of the 101 class. And the debate is over the subject of how you can protect, prepare, and prosper when the crash comes. I'm going to be going over great opportunities in alternative investing out of the equities market. And this maniac, John's going to tell you how to stay safer in equities and benefit from the coming crash. It's a great discussion. We go back and forth on this. We don't see eye to eye, but you're going to get all of the viewpoints. And that's what you deserve is to get all of the story, the whole story. So uh, you need to call right now. That tickets for that, that's at the River Ridge Golf Club on October 10th. It's a Saturday afternoon, actually Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 3 in the afternoon. Uh, we'll try to get you out a little bit early, but last time we built it till two and no one left till three because they all had questions. They want to stick around for an hour. So I said, you know what? Let's build this one to three o'clock because it's hard to get people out of the room before then. Um, tickets are $25. Go to the financiallearninglounge.com, the financiallearninglounge.com and learn all about it and watch a little video and, uh, and download a brochure. But if you call right now, I'm going to take 10 bucks off the ticket. So you call 888-882-5578, 888 882 
888-528-5578. John keeps telling me that we should be charging a couple hundred dollars for this workshop. So uh, I truly believe it is worth that much. But as this is a pilot program, we're taking, taking, keeping the tickets inexpensive. They're 25 bucks. I'll knock 10 bucks off. But you have to call by the end of the hour, 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. We'll feed you lunch. And we got a whole bunch of other handouts and giveaways that support all this data that you'll be getting. You'll get a little folder full of handouts and information when you attend the event. Uh, if you've already attended it, then come to my special briefing on October 20th at National University. That is a Tuesday evening starting at 630. We'll have some hors d'oeuvres, a light dinner we're going to serve. And then we're getting into a two-hour briefing on China in detail with all of the types of stats and graphs. I just quoted you. I'll come back in a little bit. I'll quote you some real estate stats. We're going to talk about China. We're going to talk about the U.S. real estate market. That is on October 20th. You need to come to the October 10th event at least once so you have the base so that the advanced event is not over your head and it makes sense. Uh, both of those are $25. Either event you're going to attend, call 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. I will take 10 bucks off the tickets right now. Let's go back to my interview with Harry Dent. And uh, listen, we're going to tell you how to protect, prepare, and prosper in this coming decade of change when you come to the event. But let's listen to Harry. How much does the world still depend on China for growth, because what we hear is your funds aren't really that invested over in China. We're not that heavily placed. And our markets don't really seem to take a really deep hit. I mean, we, we tremored for a little bit, but then we figured out that we're not really all that invested in China. So while China's falling apart, we'll probably be pretty stable over here. Uh, truth or fiction? Truth, except that when things go wrong in an over-indebted global world, everything collapses. Again, four states in the United States. How much did China depend on that? But four states triggered the subprime crisis. California, Nevada, Arizona, Florida. Triggered a global debt crisis, a global debt crash. Even China's market went down 72%. So it's not that. We don't even export that much to China. They export a lot to us. But the whole world is slowing. Commodity prices are crashing. That hits emerging countries. And China is the biggest consumer of commodities. So there's, first of all, Bruce, there is no way China's growing at their quoted 7% with all these commodities down 60, 70, 80%. Cement's down 25% just in the last several months. How could they be growing at 7% and iron ore prices be down 70% and all these other things? So they're not growing that fast. Mm -hmm. And it affects the emerging world. And the emerging world is now about half of global GDP. And we do. Our S&P 500 companies do export a good deal of stuff to the rest of the emerging world. And, And Europe's been subpar growth. We've been barely growing at 2%. China's the second largest country in the world and has clearly been the fastest growing until recently. Now India is. But they, so, so China is just a trigger. No, they're not going to kill our corporate earnings right off the bat, but if the China market collapse and real estate starts to collapse, guess who's buying the most expensive cities? Who are the leading edge buyers in San Francisco, LA, Seattle, Vancouver, Toronto, New York, London? It's the Chinese fleeing their country to get their wealth out, laundering it through real estate, because that's the only legal way they can get out, and the government's cracking down on that now. They're getting out of the country, and they're, and they're bidding up our real estate. So, so when people see Chinese real estate collapse, that means their wealth is imploding, and these wealthy Chinese will not be able to run around the world and be buying 20 50 $100 million condos anymore, just like the Japanese suddenly stopped buying in the early 90s after pumping up real estate around the world. This is going to happen with the Chinese. So it, 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 I think it's this real estate tsunami, which will be the single biggest impact of China. The second one is commodity prices continue to collapse, and guess what? Oil prices alone are going to trigger a crisis in our economy because we got a trillion dollars invested in fracking, three to four hundred 
billion in debt that's going to default, junk bonds and, and leveraged loans are, are going to default like subprime loans did. And then that just starts a string of other defaults. And when investors finally see risk in the world, I mean, uh, bond investors and stock investors have been bidding up bonds and stocks like there's no risk in the world. This is the riskiest time ever. I think, uh, you know, I think that's a key linchpin that the average person doesn't understand, which is this. You know, okay, oil will take a hit, frackers will lose something. Uh, okay, we'll have contraction in the economy. But I think what people don't understand is what really threatens us globally and threatens uh, our quality of life is how much debt leverages in to making these things happen and how loose we get with debt. And that once that happens, it's not just the failure of the industry. It's the failure of massive debt that got built up to put something there that now starts to crack. And that's where it really goes systemic from an industry to the entire economy. Am I thinking correctly about that? Yeah, it does. Because once debt defaults in one sector, like subprime loans, it start, people start worrying about it, and, and interest rates go up, and it starts defaulting in other sectors. So it's a chain reaction. The other thing is not only does debt deleverage, and that destroys actual money and causes companies and banks to go under or have problems, mm-hmm. but, but these, any, anytime you get a big debt and credit bubble, like in the roaring 20s or like in the, you know, since the 90s and 2000s, it also bids up asset prices, stocks, real estate, commodities, everything. And when those markets crash, and commodities have already largely crashed, stocks, I think, are just starting to crash, real estate on a lag will start to crash and go to lower prices later, um, this destroys a lot of wealth, especially for the top, you know, 1, 10, 20 percent, and these are the only people that have still been spending in our economy. Homer Simpson gave up back in 2000. Yeah. Okay, now, before we leave the subject of China, the last thing I brought up with Harry is that Chinese strategy is to try to move more of their agrarian population into the cities, into the urban areas, and create their own internal demand for consumption. They've been too dependent on selling to the rest of the world, but they have a a maniacal social engineering program you're about to hear me discuss with Harry on how to build up their internal uh, consumption that is literally just going to implode on itself when they can't keep these people employed. So let's talk about that. That is the last leg of the China discussion on the show today. We're going to go much more into detail on it when you attend these two events. Uh, Thief of the Night, why the next great stock market crash is inevitable by 2020. $25 event on October 10th at the River Ridge Golf Club. We will take $10 off when you call 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. That will be followed on October 20th by a special briefing on China and on the U.S. real estate market. That will be at the National University at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday the 20th. That is also $25. I'll take 10 bucks off of it if you call 888-882-5578. You must have gone to the Saturday event first. 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578 for a discount. Let's talk about the Chinese plan to build their internal consumption and see. tell me if it isn't maniacal. So the, the last bastion of how China might salvage itself is to build up its own internal consumption. It has uh, been living off of selling to the rest of the world, which is, which is the fallacy of why, why would China want to destroy the U.S. dollar when we're the ones that are buying their crud. So um, that doesn't make any sense, of course. Uh, and but but they're, they're trying to turn on their heels and and, uh, and and build up their own internal consumption. You've told the story a lot about some of the crazy things they're doing for their urbanization because it's that 
transition from agrarian to urbanization where you get a lot of internal demand. So let's just talk about that a minute. How are they doing this urbanization? How much more can they do? And what are the mistakes they're making in it? Well, again, every emerging country moves people from farms to city. China's just done it twice as fast, twice as long, and, and employed these people building stuff for nobody. You can't keep doing that. There's 221 billion people. He meant 221 million. That have migrated in the last three decades. 221 that aren't even legal residents in the cities they're in. No access to services or any welfare or education for their kids or anything. They're like illegal Mexican immigrants, tolerated in a boom. But as soon as the boom goes bust with all this overbuilding and crash, they're going to be stuck in cities with no skills. And, and, and the only advantage is they're going to be able to squat in empty condos if they can find a way to get it. But this is going to be a, a disaster. How do you get consumers to spend when they've overbuilt everything? And how do you get consumers to spend when they watch real estate? And again, even everyday people have a big stake in real estate there compared to their income. How do you get them to spend when they see their wealth evaporating? So, so there's no way. First of all, they've, they've been trying to make this transition from government making huge investments you know, building stuff for nobody, and, and in real estate mm-hmm. and stuff, to more consumer spending. But that has barely changed, you know, just a percent or so either way. They're doing that very slowly, but if we have a continued global downturn and exports keep going down, and, and they get to the point where you just can't build more stuff because there's so much empty stuff, these $221 trillion are going to be... Harry, is $221 million, 221 million people. Totally destitute. And the rich, and the rich the people, but the rich people are going to get their wealth destroyed faster than any rich people in history, and they're the mm. ones that matter. 10% of their top people are probably 50% of their consumer spending. Those people see their wealth implode because of real estate crash. There's no way you're going to get them to spend more money. No yeah. way. And these poor people get stuck in the cities uh, with no jobs yeah. and no industry. They can't go back to the farms because the farms have been paved over. Yeah, paved over with empty condos. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on. Um, I love the Chinese people, but boy, uh, my heart goes out to them. Yeah, it's the government's the problem over there, not the people. Absolutely. Hey, listen, even if it is only 221 million people they've pulled off the farm and pushed into cities, giving them phony jobs that weren't weren't market-driven, that are now going to just disappear, and they have nothing to do these people, this country has 300 million population. So understand what it means to have moved 221 million people off the farm, and if they have a, a collapse in China, these people can't go back to the farm because they've paved them over. What these people knew before they left is how to grow their food and raise their pigs, and now they don't have a place to go back to. So that is almost the population of the United States. It's big enough. Listen, you're going to learn how all this does connect. You're going to learn why we now say, and maybe you're getting the idea, there will be another ginormous global stock and asset crash by 2020. If you follow this historic data, you understand the dynamics, and we're going to tell you how to protect your wealth, how to prepare for this, and how to prosper in this coming decade of much more change. On October 10th, we're doing A Thief in the Night. How the next, why the next stock market crash is inevitable by 2020. It is from eight in the morning till three in the afternoon. You're going to learn about demographics, which are the unalterable source of these economies that you, you could have known a long time ago if you had followed it. You're going to learn about mistaken policies of what governments and banks can be expected to do to try to get us out of the hole that is only going to make the hole deeper. You're going to learn why we see bubble after bubble in this current investment 
environment and how that is an unmistakable precursor to a global economy that just goes into an economic winter and shuts down until assets crash all over and we get the great reset. It is not a pretty picture if you're not prepared for it. Um, and you're going to learn about the light at the end of the tunnel because the U.S. is actually one of the best poised countries to recover if if our government will get out of the way. So all of that is going to be covered. Plus, we're going to have a debate at the end of that event between John Grace, president of Investors Advantage in Westlake Village. He's going to talk about how to be safer in equities and benefit from the coming crash. I don't know what he's talking about. My viewpoint is just get out all together and I'm going to talk about great opportunities in alternative investing completely out of the equities markets. All of that is on October 10th. If you haven't attended that before, you need to come to that one first. 888-882-5578 will take $10 off your $15 ticket. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. After that, on October 20th, we will do a detailed two-hour briefing on the China bubble and on the U.S. real estate market going soft uh, very soon here. So that will be a follow-up if you've attended the 101 event in the past. That's uh, October 20th. It's Tuesday night at 6.30 at National University, uh, which is um, on Town Center Drive, right above the 101 in Oxnard. That is also 25 bucks. If you call during the show, I'll take 10 bucks off. 888-882-5578. Let's get into it with Harry on the U.S. real estate market. Fascinating. So let's talk about real estate in the United States. Where do you see the downward pressure? I mean, didn't, didn't we just duck the bullet? The Fed's going to hold rates okay. I mean, did, did we duck the bullet here, or is there still some other downward pressure about real estate in the U.S.? Oh, oh no, no. There's, there's definitely downward pressure. My, the real estate bubble was imploding, and that was the biggest thing, the subprime crisis, the weakest part of our economy. And government, you know, the central banks just stepped in, turned around the economy by printing endless amount of money. They, they didn't cure anything. They didn't restructure any debt. Real estate never got to to deleverage back down to pre-bubble levels. And, and that I know exactly where that is, January of 2000. Now that real estate has bounced, not to new highs in most areas or, or on average, but it's bounced significantly, it's got to go down 40% plus just to get back to where it was when the bubble started in early 2000. Not all the way back to the 80s or 90s, just the bubble part where home prices went up 2.3 um, times in six years with no appreciable increase in income. It was just lending went from 3.3 times income to 9.3. Stupidest thing in history. No good reason for it. Everybody did it because we could. Everybody likes a bubble. Banks made money. People got cheap loans. People got bigger houses than they could afford. And then it all went down. They interrupted that debt deleveraging, that real estate bubble burst, and now it's going to come back. It has to come down to where young families can afford to buy a home, especially in places like California. I mean, where it's like $800,000 for a starter home in Vancouver, where we were just at, you know, a million two, like for a starter home. This is absolute insanity. Stocks have to go back to 3,800 on the Dow to erase the bubble that started in in late 94, the whole Mm -hmm. tech bubble and stuff. We're nowhere near that. Um, houses have to go back to January 2000 levels in nominal terms. Um, in real terms, the decline will be a little less because we've had very minor inflation. So, um, I, you know, I came back from Vancouver. It's, it's so funny because the wife and I were kind of on the same track. I don't know how she twigged on it when she was a thousand miles away. But um, we are, like most middle-class Americans, um, looking at the downsizing, the baby boom. We're downsizing, and we've been talking about it, and now we just decided we better get this done now. We're not ready to move out. We love our home. We don't want to leave our home, but we know we're going to be downsizing, and why would I wait a year to lose $100,000, $150,000 on my home price when maybe I could sell right now and get ahead of the curve? 
Yeah, I mean, and that's what we tell people. Look, you have your life cycle. You know, people want, okay, I want to downsize when I'm getting close to retirement. I want to retire. But the economy has its life cycle, and that's what we really measure even more so. And, and that life cycle is bigger than that. I've been telling people, if you're thinking I'm going to sell my business in three to four years and I'm not going to hand it down to my kids, I say, sell the business now. You're going to get two to three times for it than if you wait until the worst downturn in history. Same thing, if you're going to downsize from a McMansion to a downtown townhome or an exurban home farther out, and, and cut your cost of real estate and have to do it now and cut your exposure to probably the well the real worst real estate downturn we're going to see in our lives is coming in the next several years so yeah do it now and, and that's the best thing i got out of this conference for the first time and we've had these for many years almost everybody that came up to me said you know monday morning i'm doing x y and z i'm doing this <laughs> in my business or i'm going to finally put my condo on the market or i'm going to finally sell my office building Everybody was finally, now that we're seeing China crack and the U.S. stock markets crack. Yeah, you know, um, I just want to, you know, I just want to reiterate here about this demographic aspect to the downward pressure on our real estate market. Because when I look around, there is not a teeming generation of 30-year-olds coming in behind me ready to buy my house and raise their children. So we don't, you know, let, you're an expert at demographics. Help me understand just for a minute what we've got in this chasm between the baby boom exiting and the next generation. They've been slowed down. They, they've got uh, college debt, etc. So um, help me understand that just a little bit about why I don't have buyers for my house. Uh, like, like, I mean, when we were buying houses, everyone was buying houses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Baby boom, and you're doing it. Everybody else is doing it. Now you turn around to sell a house. Where's the guys that are supposed to be coming up and buying my house? Well, first of all, only half of the next generation is in the workforce. And people don't really buy houses till their late 20s, early 30s uh, start to buy houses. Um, so, so, yeah, there's some upward pressure from them, but not nearly enough to replace the peak buying of the baby boomers, you know, just 10 years or so ago. Um, the second thing is that generation, unlike the baby boomers, has seen real estate go down substantially. Baby boomers grew up, and ever since World War II, real estate's pretty much never gone down, except in a few sparse areas. Baby boomers thought real estate could never go down. This generation knows different. It's harder to get a bank loan and qualify. The job market is worse, and a lot of them are stuck in part-time jobs they don't want. And these people also want flexibility. I, and most of the millennials I know, this echo boom generation, um, will tell me, including some of the people that work for our company, I don't want to own because I may have to move to get a better job, and I don't want to have to take six to eight months to sell a condo. I just you know, give them notice on my rent, and bam. Yeah. So it, it, they, they have a different mindset. And, of course, in a bad economy, uh, especially one that's seen real estate fall just not so long ago, people get more cautious. Baby boomers thought, if there's any way I can buy a home, any way I can get a loan, I'm going to do it because you can't lose money buying a house. Well, that was disproven in 2008. Wow. Okay, so uh, you think uh, you're calling for maybe 40% drop in uh, home prices? 40 to 50% from here, yeah. It's going to be worse. Last time it was 34% from the top. It's going to be worse than last time. Wow. And people think, oh, it's over. It's not over. Hey, are you between the age of 50 and 70 and maybe thinking about what your retirement's going to look like in the next decade? I strongly suggest you get to this event because the world is still changing. I can't go into detail on the show and all the stats, but let me give you just a few on real estate for an example, just to show you what we have in our pocket when you come to this event. So if you believe that credit has become overexpanded, let me give you some stats here. In 2000, at the beginning, just before the housing bubble, the average 
typical home purchaser could borrow about 3.3 times their pre-tax income in 2000. That rose in 2006 to 9.2, 2.8 times, almost tripling the amount of money someone could borrow. That has fallen since the peak to about, mm, that looks like on this graph, that it's about six and a half or so. So we can now borrow six and a half times. But as Harry points out, and you see this chart, you can see where the beginning of the bubble is. We still definitely have another 50% to fall on that to get back to where the actual borrowing power of a typical home purchaser is in line with where we were before this whole bubble took place. Uh, There's another great chart. I can't even begin to explain it on the radio. This is why you need to come to these events. It is a chart that shows peak buyers at age 41 minus dyers at age 79. And it shows that we literally go from an amount of buyers, like if if how many 41-year-olds are minus the 79-year-olds, there's about 1.5 million right now, it goes negative where you literally have more dyers than buyers. The peak buyers just shrink and shrink and shrink until 2039 on this chart. You'll see that chart when you come to the advanced briefing on October 20th at the uh, National University at 630 to 9 o'clock. And to get there first, you got to come to the uh, 101, which is at the River Ridge Golf Club on October 10th. That is a thief of the night. Why the next great stock market crash is inevitable. We're going to feed you lunch. We're going to give you an incredible education on all of this. And John Grace and I, at the end of it, are going to debate whether you should get out of equities or stay in equities and be safe. It's a major debate between us. We don't agree on this, and you're going to get to hear us argue it out. Uh, Last thing I want to do is I want to play you some testimonials from the last event, and we'll wrap it up. But I want you to hear what people said when they came to the last Thief in the Night event. And in the meantime, you got about eight minutes left to call 888 888-882-5578 to get your discount on those tickets. I thought it was very informative. I learned a, a, a lot. I heard a lot of stuff that I hadn't heard from most people. I like the, the fact that you'll contact us if you feel a, a change in the markets coming or, or something like that. Alternative source of investments is what was interesting and learning about the cycles in the market. Sell the real estate. That really stuck to me, sell the real estate, use that cash for something else. I think what I found more positive was being able to look at our own situation and gauge it to where we want to be. So to look at the goals and to see how we can reach the goals. That was the most optimistic part of the seminar during the worksheet. My wife and I have been to approximately six seminars in the last two months, all financial-based that have been advertised on the radio and so forth. And um, we found this one really to be more open to a variety of investments, not just a sales pitch, and uh, a lot more informative, I mean, as far as what we really need to do. And and I think it's going to get us on the right track. Learned that the equity side of things can be protected a lot more you know, in that investing. And also that the, uh, the equity market or the annuity market has evolved to places that I, it might be appealing to me now. 
the uh, mini education in economics and demographics was very valuable to, I think, our decision making. Just to see where where the population is going and what what's going to be important to the baby boomers and how the economy has depended on us so much. And as we wind down, it is, the economy has to go with it. I thought it was great. It was very informative. Um, I heard things at this event because I have been to other events that I hadn't heard before. And I particularly liked the beginning where you showed how everything is changing. But then again, there are some things that are the same with the flow of how things go. Put a little fear <laughs> into me with, you know, what's going on with the stock market. But it also showed me how there are ways that with with the holdings that I have now that I can protect them and actually see them grow in a safe way. It wasn't a sales pitch. It was more information that, that it gave me to make a decision to make a change, you know, and not just give me this and I can do this for you. You know, it was more the information, and that's that's really what I came for, was to get the information. As a lecturer, it was great. He, very concise, learned a lot with, with the flow of how he went through things. It, it was great, easy to understand. So, yes, I, I definitely come to another one. So, very good, very good. And I love listening to him on Sunday morning. <laughs> of course you do. Listen, October 10th at the River Ridge Golf Club, why that we are holding the event, you must attend and get your wits wrapped around all of the real influences, not just the gobbledygook from CNBC, not just the gobbledygook that your advisor tells you, but understand the basics of these economics, demographics, the inalterable driving force organically that put all of today's events into play many decades ago. The mistaken policies that the world banks and governments can be counted on a do that will make things worse. Why we see bubble after bubble, the unmistakable precursor to an economic winter upon us. And the light at the end of the tunnel, why the U.S. is so well poised to recover. If the government will get out of the way, all of that will be at the Thief in the Night event, October 10th at the River Ridge Golf Club in Oxnard. Uh, the tickets are $25. We will give them to you for $10 off right now. You got to call. You got about five minutes left to call. 888-882-5578. Operators are standing by. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Five five seven eight. That is from ten in the morning to three in the afternoon. We're not fooling around. It is packed with information. There will be no sales of anything except if you want to buy a book or a CD or something like that uh, at the event. Uh, we are at the end of that event. John Grace and I will debate how you can protect, prepare, and prosper when the crash comes. And we're going to be talking about two completely opposite angles. I'm going to talk about how to just get out of the stock market. What are alternative investments available to you that won't be affected by a crash? And John's going to tell you how you might be safer in equities and benefit the coming crash. All of that October 10th. 
10th. When that's done, come October 20th. And you can do reserve for that right now, too, for $10 off at 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. That will be at the National University on October 20th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. And that will be an advanced briefing on China and on the U.S. real estate softening. Uh, Harry says 40% down. That's major. You heard him discuss that. We'll go into all the charts and graphs. I have a 100 of Harry Dent's different charts and graphs to go over with you on October 20th. The advanced seminar, also $25, $10 off by calling 888-882-5578. You better call now, 888-882-5578. These are always fun, great people, great crowd to meet. Um, We all become very good friends after attending several of these. So uh, uh, it's a great thing to partake in. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. See you next week. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion on financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialists and insurance services. California license 0E48147.